what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence itself. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast episode number 50. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm your host Mike and tonight we've got a very special episode. In fact, we have a first for the Parallel Mike podcast and that is an in-person interview that I'm going to be sharing with you between myself and returning guest Johnny Hoddle from the Staying Free podcast. Now, Johnny actually came to stay with me over on my farm in Poland recently And he said, Mike, why don't we do an in-person interview? Now, Johnny was only staying for one night and we had a very long day. And by the time it got to late evening, I thought, I think it's a little bit late. I think we're going to go to bed and call this one a day and forget the interview, which is about when Johnny said, Mike, are you ready? Let's go do it. It was about 10 p.m. And Johnny said, Mike, I've got an idea for the episode. So I said, "Okay, whatever it is, that's what we'll go with. And it just so happened that the idea was that Johnny really wanted to interview me and do quite a personal episode talking about my past specifically, rather than have us talk about a subject where my past was in the periphery. And there's a reason why I don't do interviews like this very often, and that's because I don't really like to talk about myself unless it's got relevance to the conversation that I'm having with somebody. So I do draw on personal experiences, but I don't share a lot about my past. However, that is what Johnny wanted to talk about and I agreed to it. So that is what tonight's episode is. For episode number 50, you actually get to hear me be not just host, but also guest as well. So in part one, Johnny really takes the lead as the host and he interviews me. We talk about my past, how I became the man that I am today. We also have a really good conversation about cycles. Then in part two, we reverse the roles a little bit and I ask Johnny a little bit about his past and we both share stories relating to things like mental health and depression. So I think this is going to be a really useful episode. It's got a lot there and I'm so glad that we did it in the format that we did in person together in the same room. In fact, I think that is the only way I would have wanted to do this episode because it made it very comfortable to be there with somebody that I already know, a good friend of mine, and to have that conversation as though we were just chatting to each other. So I really hope you find this one interesting. I hope it gives you some more insight into who I am and how I got to be Parallel Mike. So I'm going to leave it there for the introduction. A big thank you to Johnny for coming over and staying with us on the farm to meet him and his wonderful girlfriend and for helping me make this episode, which turned out to be quite cathartic and one that I surprisingly enjoyed doing, even though I cringed before I went into it, thinking there is no way I'm going to release this episode. But here it is. Here is episode number 50, Parallel Mike being interviewed on the Parallel Mike podcast and also the Staying Free podcast with Johnny Hoddle. Mike, welcome to the Staying Free podcast. And Johnny, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. (laughs) 
yeah, so um, well, obviously, like for the sake of my audience, understand what's going on here. We're currently in your studio, uh, in your house, on your on your farm, and um, you've been kind enough to invite me and my girlfriend to stay here. So uh, yeah, and we decided we need to at least get away and do a recording in person, which we've never done before. Well, we've never met before, but um, yeah, excited to be uh, actually doing this one on one. I always think that the conversations take on a bit of a different. Um, vibe when you do them in person versus uh over the internet so happy to be here man yeah this is the first time that i've ever done an audio like this while we've been in person so i appreciate the offer to do it it's exciting and yeah how was it coming to poland and finding your way to our little corner of the country yeah i mean it's really uh it's really interesting i've not seen this side of poland before i mean i've only been here once um generally but Getting here, I mean, I know you said that it was rural, but like definitely for me, I didn't realize quite how rural it was going to be. And coming on that train and just kind of having fewer and fewer houses and then at certain points just seeing no houses for long stretches of time. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, you are seriously like living that um, that rural life out here. You know, it's no, um, it's no kind of exaggeration to say you are properly out in the sticks, um, which is which is really cool. So, uh, so yeah, it's... It's really great. I guess, like, first of all, before we dive into this, because, um, you know, some people might not have already been introduced to you on on my podcast. They might not have uh, heard the previous episodes. So do you want to just kind of give a just a bit of a brief introduction for those kind of newcomers as to as to who you are and what you're about? Yeah, sure. So my name's Mike or Parallel Mike is kind of my online moniker, which you actually came up with, believe it or not. <laughs> the first ever interview I did as a content creator, I started a YouTube channel and I got a message from a guy called Johnny Hoddle, and he said, do you want to be on my show? And it was literally the first time anyone had asked me to interview. And you titled the episode with my name as Parallel Mike. And that's because that was my Twitter handle. And you thought that's what I called myself, but I didn't. And yet now that's what everyone knows me as. So yeah, I guess you can call me Parallel Mike. I'm an investor. I'm an organic farmer. Although my backstory is quite different to that, I was from the UK and most of my career was actually spent in uh, in counseling and therapy. So I worked with children from broken homes, from abusive situations who had been harmed, who were in foster care. And yeah, that was like, that was my entire life really. So I'd say I did that for about 14 years because I had a few years at, at university in volunteering and then went on to do that as a career. I was also an athlete for quite a few years. So I was pursuing ultra running, ultra marathon running, and I was pretty talented at that. Uh, I got really good really quick, and I thought that would be my future, and that was going to be where I went to. But yeah, I ended up getting injured, so that kind of dream was took away. And then at some point, I decided, you know, I'm sick of being poor, and uh, not because I wanted material wealth as such, but I met a great woman, and we kind of built our our vision of a future, and we decided, you know, we want to. We want to go back to nature. We want to live a life that's more pure, something that feels in line with our principles and values, get out of the city. And, you know, my career was was tough work. It was getting, it, I wouldn't say it was getting me down. I really found it rewarding and beautiful, but it was a, you know, you saw the worst of humanity and the best of humanity in the same day. You know, you could hear about some of the most tragic situations, but then also see kids triumph over those situations and see this tremendous courage. But it was definitely one of those careers that was difficult. The places I worked for were often difficult. There was a lot of 
corruption and people who were not in it for the right reasons. So we decided on our future. We understood what was coming as well down the pipeline. I'd always had a very good kind of intuitive knowledge as to where the world was heading. But I realized that financially we was just broke. We'd both had our careers. I'd pursued what was meaningful in life. Uh, my career was meaningful. My running was meaningful. Uh, and I found it very spiritually rewarding to do those things. But financially, you know, it just wasn't something that was on my agenda or radar. So so I decided I was going to figure it out, Johnny. I thought I thought if these these guys in suits who seem to have no character, if they can do it and I could change my life as I have done multiple times in my life, I thought I've got the drive and I've got the I've got enough IQ. I'm not super smart, but <laughs> I'm kind of at the average level. And I thought, you know, average can do a lot if you work really, really hard. You know, if I put in twice as much effort, maybe I can achieve something that someone far smarter could achieve. And that's what I did. And I started to learn how to save and invest. And we moved on to a tiny little boat. And that's where we stayed for the next uh, four and a half years whilst I just consumed everything I could when it comes to finance, investing, cycles, monetary history. Then I started to invest our own money. We started off without a penny. And the dream was always to simply accumulate enough wealth so we could live simply you know and that's not easy to do in this world they want you to live in a very complex and confusing world where we actually wanted to go back to land and you're here now where that dream manifested so mm -hmm. that was the end of the journey that was maybe eight nine years ago we did buy that farm and i did figure it out and now i advise people professionally in terms of wealth preservation getting ready for the coming financial disturbances and turmoil that i see and foresee and i think you do too and i also have a podcast the parallel mike podcast and the parallel systems broadcast youtube channel which is more towards the finance and that's how we met and that's that's uh, that's the shortest i can give you on that story because it's quite a long one well that was great that was great it's uh actually you're you're very um well perfected at, at telling that i think that was actually the first time johnny i've ever told that story like that so i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad it came out well well you nailed it you nailed it but you know, I, as I said to you before, kind of starting this, we were saying, okay, you know, we've had a few conversations in the past and we've talked about different things. We talked about, you know, finance, you know, like in, in our first conversation that we had, I brought you on because I saw a video that you'd done about, um, you know, the housing market crash and everything like that. And you were literally in front of a whiteboard, you know, kind of talking about like the cycles of, of uh, kind of money printing that we were in and inflation and kind of where to expect house prices. And I kind of went into that conversation wanting to talk about that topic and thinking, okay, this is an interesting thing for my audience. This is what I want to talk about. But, you know, the kind of podcast has progressed since then and the themes that I talk about have progressed. And I think that the mentality of people has progressed and the kind of um, direction of the movement, you know, that we're kind of both a, both a part of, that I like to call the freedom movement. I know that you, um, you know, a little bit cautious to, to give it a name, but, um, you know, obviously like we've been kind of uh, talking about those kind of issues previously. But one thing that, I don't think that I've gone into in a great deal of depth in our episodes, which is something that I know you talk about a lot on your on your podcasts, especially in your live streams. It's just that kind of personal story for you of how of what's formed you into the character that you are today. Because, you know, I think that you're a very, very interesting person, um, especially from the the kind of angle of your ability to kind of go against the grain and to kind of make very big um decisions in your life that most people wouldn't make and that most people would be afraid to, to make because you're kind of stepping very much outside of the mold. And, you know, when I kind of first started this this podcast, I think a lot of people related to that because we were going through the whole kind of COVID situation where a lot of people felt like they had, uh, they were in a, a situation where they didn't want to go along with the crowd and they, they felt a real compulsion 
to step step outside of the crowd. And I think it's since that those people, and I would in- definitely include myself in this category, actually have felt, okay, I want to go more in that direction. I want to kind of, um, I want to learn more about that aspect of my own psyche. And, you know, how far do, do I take that? How much of a kind of contrarian um, do I become? How far outside the norms of society do I do I step? Is it just the COVID thing? Do I just reject, you know, things like the, the kind of medical tyranny we've seen? Do I just, you know, reject um, the traditional kind of debt par- paradigm that they want us to, to kind of go towards? Like, how far does that go? And I definitely think that you're someone who has taken a lot of um, steps in your life, you know, from like, like you mentioned here, living on a boat, uh, you know, moving on to a farm, like the the way that you invest and things like this, you are definitely a very, very independent thinker. And I kind of want to go into the the personal journey of what that's about. And I guess starting with your kind of more like formative experiences, um, you know, I'm not sure how much you've like specifically reflected on this, because sometimes you have these traits and you just think, well, you know, that's just the way I am. That's just my character. But I'm presuming there's been kind of like moments in your life that have shaped you into that kind of person who, who does make those um, kind of contrarian decisions and take the contrarian actions um so yeah i guess like just to throw that over to you very broadly like what like why is it that you have been able to have the kind of courage to take action in your life that is so um different to what society expects of you how, how have you been able to kind of step outside step outside the matrix how do you find the courage um and and the uh, ability like within yourself to do that well i guess i had a very top heavy life so the first I'd say the first 15 to no, 20 years, I'd say, of my life were very, very filled with difficulties, obstacles, lots and lots of barriers. So without dwelling on it too much, just purely giving what's useful. I grew up the son of a very well-known uh, British gangster. So he was very high up in organized crime. So my dad ended up getting sent to jail for what at the time was the largest ever smuggle of cannabis resin to the UK. So I think it's about $40 million worth in today's money, inflation adjusted. Back then it was maybe $20 million. Uh, so it was pretty big. Uh, and it was an international gang of high-ranking figures across Europe who had come together, set up this big uh, job, and then they ended up getting caught whilst doing that. So that really turned what was already, I wouldn't say an abnormal childhood. At the time, it felt normal to me. It was my homeostasis. Because when you're younger, you think your child is normal. You've got no comparison. But as I got older and I became a teenager and I realized that my childhood was actually very strange because of my dad, like the people and situations and experiences I was having were not normal. You know, being around somebody who was that well known, like going into any situation and all of a sudden countless, like 20, 30 people coming across wanting to shake hands with him and wanting to be in that presence of the, he's the man. He was loved. He was like Robin Hood. Like everyone wanted to be around him. But also these people who get into those positions have certain traits too. Very, very dominant characters and capable of anger and fits of rage. So I grew up and saw those things too. So I think when my dad got sent to jail, that really ended the childhood. He wasn't a child anymore. I was maybe about 10, 11. I got kicked out of school the year after. Completely lost my way because I had no male role model. And everyone knew who I was, that I was his son. It was front page of the paper. So like there was no hiding it. And I was completely like embarrassed and ashamed. And I was quite an introvert by nature, but I was also somebody who was reactive. So, you know, if some kids were picking on me or laughing at me about something, 
even though I couldn't fight, I'd be like, I'm just going to launch myself at them and would get into a scrap. And in the end, I got kicked out of school. I was out of school for a couple of years. Then the school I went back to was just a nightmare. It was like the worst school in the city or one of them. Uh, it was a dangerous place. You know, when I, you, you might think, well, how can schools be dangerous? It was like violence daily. There were some nasty, nasty kids there. You know, I remember a gang of kids at my school crippled a guy. You know, they attacked another kid's father who owned a restaurant. One night they was outside his takeaway and he came out and this gang from our school, they beat him so badly. They put him in a wheelchair for life. They actually left him in a bin, you know, and he was crippled. So it's a dangerous place. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I say dangerous. So you just didn't want to be there. So I didn't. You know, I used to skip school every day. I think I had about 20% attendance. And when I left that school, I had nothing, like no qualifications. No, I'd been effectively been out of school for like three or four years. And my home life was no good. Like I didn't get on with my stepdad. Uh, that caused problems between me and my mom. So I didn't really get on with her. I, I never had really any support or encouragement growing up. And yeah, it was just difficult. So I left, you know, I left home and then... I guess that that's like the formative experience where I realized very early on that I am pretty much alone here. So I need to, if I'm going to figure something out, it's going to be on my own back. Now, I didn't figure it out for a while. And I went down a terrible, well, I was a terrible path, but just I, I, I was heading towards a catastrophe in life. You know, I was not doing the right things. I was trying to tune out of life. I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking alcohol. The crowd that I was with got worse and worse, you know, because as other people go off to do stuff, they go off to college. You, I, I didn't. They're going off to university or whatever. And I'm just kind of not. Uh, but funnily enough, I did find myself in college eventually. I actually went with a friend to an open day. She was going to take a course uh, and she said, you know, do you want to come and wait for me while I go to see this open day? So I was, sure. So I was sat in the canteen. Uh, and I can't really paint a good vision of myself back then. I had my hood up, a hat on, kind of like hiding in myself, listening to punk rock music, headphones in. And then this guy comes and sits opposite me. And I was, like I said, I was an extreme introvert back then and uh, certainly not somebody who liked attention. And this guy comes and sits across me and he was a very strange looking guy. He was older than me for sure. He was about maybe 20, 30 years older than me, maybe 20 he had this crazy ginger like wild hair like a fox that had been r ravaging through the woods it was like coming out every, on all angles he was very skinny really smartly dressed he had like kind of skinny jeans and a suit uh really nice pin pin tra uh pin tie and he started talking to me and i was like what's he want like I, and i thought he must be a student because of his style like he did have a quite a cool style and he told me he asked me he asked me about myself which was interesting. That was his opening. We said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm just waiting for a friend. He said, no, he said, what are you listening to? That was his first mm -hmm. question. And I think it was Green Day, the band. Uh, I said, oh, I used to like Green Day. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and then that was his kind of open. And then he asked what I was doing there. And he said, nothing. I'm just waiting for, for a friend. Uh, she's come for an open day. And he said, what about you? He said, what's your plans? He said, are you coming to college? I said, I said no. He said, oh, so what are you going to do? Do you have a job? I was like, no. So he said, what about, you know, what are you doing then? And so I said, nothing. He said, well, what do you want to, what's your plans like for the future? What what do you want to be? I said, nothing. You know, what do you mean nothing? I said, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I, you know what I mean? I, was, I just, I was like, what do you mean I should have a plan? What do you mean I should have a future? 
He said, well, what are you good at? I was like, I'm not good at anything. And he was like, I was like, listen, he said, I, I said a skateboard uh, and I hang out with my friends. But he said, I said, I don't really have any vision of the future. So like I could see he was a little bit taken aback by it. And he said, well, he said, why don't you come to college then? I said, I said, listen, I got, I said, I haven't been to school for like four years. I said, I'm not clever enough for college. I've got no qualifications. Mm-hmm. He said, you don't need qualifications. I said, yeah, you do. I said, of course you do to get into college. I said, all my friends had to get A-levels. He said, no, no. He said, there's a course you can do where you don't need any qualifications. And I said, yeah, but I said, listen, it's not for me, buddy. He said, I'm the teacher. He said, I'll be there. He said, come on, it's art. Anyone can draw. He said, come to my class. He said, just give it a try. He said, I'll do the form with you now. He said, it starts in two weeks. He said, just come to that first one. See what you think of it. He said, listen, I'll even bring some of my punk CDs. If you like punk music, he said, I'll play them. In the, in the lesson. So that was it. So that got the hook in me. And I decided, okay, I signed the form out and I thought I'm not going to do it. Like I'll just sh- shut the guy up. Uh, anyways, I did do it. And I ended up sticking that course out. And that's a long story short, but this guy really got me through that year. Uh, I was very self-critical. I used to do my artwork. I, I mean, literally towards the end of that year, I dragged myself through it. My attendance was shocking. I used to come in drunk. I used to come in stoned. He'd always mark me on the register as though I was there because they threatened to kick me out for low attendance. So he just started, in the end, he just said, Mike, if I can't make you be here, I'm just going to lie that you was here and tick those boxes. But he said, as long as you do the work, Mike, he said, I'll I'll bail you out and I'll make sure it's fine. And he did. But towards the end, I was so self-critical. I, I threw my entire year's work in the bin and left one day in a big start mood. I was like, I can't draw. I'm shit at this. I threw it all away and I came back and he took it out and he'd neatened it all up. He'd ironed the damn stuff. Uh, so he really was the first person to ever stick their neck out for me in life. And he was actually the first person to ever tell me that I was good at something. The first person to ever say that he was proud of me or that I could be something. And although I didn't believe him at the time because I had very low self-esteem, very insecure, um, he made sure I finished that course and I did finish it. And that had a profound impact on me because all of a sudden I realized that I'm not dumb, like I can do something. There is something within me. And I thought, I didn't start exploring it right away. I had a lot of demons and stuff to work out, but I'd say fast forward a few years and that that kind of shifted something in me. And I did go back to university. I decided I was gonna go to university. I finished my qualifications. I got involved in sports. I became a boxer. Uh, I give up all uh, alcohol and smoking and all that stuff. and. Um, and that was like kind of the start of my journey into becoming something else. But I wouldn't say it was the end of difficulties. You know, I, I had a difficult 20s and all kinds of stuff happened along the way. But it certainly, had it not been for him, I would be not be here now. I'd be somewhere else. And it probably would be similar to where my dad ended up like prison or, you know, who knows what I'd have become. But that, that really helped me meeting this guy. So, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you had about as big of a transition as you could possibly have you know you went from literally having no belief in yourself no dreams no aspirations to suddenly being like oh i say suddenly it's not obviously it's not a sudden process it's a gradual process and through the help of this person who seemed like a big mentor in your life to actually kind of changing that around and then do you think that that is the case for like anyone do you think anyone can can have that because you know we talk like now um you know, sometimes maybe a bit disparagingly in the in the freedom community about like, you know, NPCs and people who don't kind of like, people who just kind of go with the flow and don't have any ability to kind of like critically think and, and to kind of reason and follow their own personal convictions. 
and sometimes i think like okay i know you know it sometimes seems unfair to say that but it's like do that do the does anyone have the ability to kind of like wake up and to kind of like find their passion and find their um aspirations and to kind of follow through in their convictions like do you think that anyone can do it because i know obviously you ended up becoming a um you know a counselor and things like that and i'm wondering whether that's because you thought well this is a process anyone can go through anyone can find this yeah i think we all have the capacity i think that's the divine spark that god put in us is this infinite possibility you know that you can transcend yourself again and again and again and there's no limit upon who you can be or what you can become i think that's the beautiful thing about being a human being that's what god's gift to us was that you can become anything including a horrible asshole you know you can be the worst of the worst or the best of the best that's true free will that's freedom you know people talk about wanting freedom and yet then they lament that some people use that freedom for bad and they say why would god allow that and we say okay well let's have everyone be good let's create utopia and force people to behave in a certain way well that's totalitarianism that's exactly the same thing that they're promising us right now we'll fix it all we'll make everything perfect and there'll be no sadness or bad mm -hmm. stuff ever again no you have to accept both sides of duality if you want free will if you want freedom then anyone's capable of anything. And I think that's open for anyone that's on the table for you, for me. But a lot of people are terrified of freedom, Johnny, because freedom has the capacity to go wrong. It can be that what I just said, you might maybe you mess up, you don't get it right. It puts all the onus onto you. All the responsibility is now on your shoulders, whether it works out or not, you're responsible. And people don't want that because it scares the hell out of them. So they want someone else to come along and take that responsibility even if it means that a person could do things that are detrimental towards their future, they'd prefer that, the risk of that, than having the responsibility for themselves. And that's because to learn to bear responsibility, you have to build it like a muscle. You have to go through hardships. Now, I said my life was very top heavy. That forced me to either sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that's a good way to learn these things because I had so many moments in my life where I was like so close to sinking because what was being put on me or what life had thrown at me was too much really to bear. But fortunately, I always found a way through those moments and therefore I took the strength of those moments. But I know so many people who didn't, they sunk in those moments because they didn't have the capacity right then to deal with it. So I would say the best thing we can all do is take on voluntary hardships yeah. because then you can build it in a more measured way and trust me life will still throw hardships in too there's no getting away from that because we live in a world that's got duality which means all experiences can be had but if you learn to actually take on some of those things yourself which is what i started to do through physical exercise was the first thing like how can i improve myself it's a simple thing but then it became something else it was like right how can i transcend who i was before so i time everything like i when i was training i time everything and always try and beat the past time you know and eventually i went into ultra running which is like a different later on in my life but i think anyone has the capacity to to improve that ability to bear responsibility but it really does take a desire you have to want it you know and you have to maybe suffer a little bit and see the consequences of absconding from responsibility now i think what's happened recently with people is some people who gave up responsibility to these people promising them safety and promising them that they would take away the scary stuff some of those people that one time is all they got they they failed on that one time and it's going to have forever consequences because some of those people don't even exist anymore but there's many others who maybe got it wrong 
in that decision and they've got a, they've got a reprieve they've got a second chance and they've got the capacity now to reflect and say look how close i was to sinking and if i fall for that again if i hand over my responsibility for thinking and critical thought again then that could be the end of me and i mean maybe that's going to be what wakes some people up and spares them on to taking that path but yeah i think there's many people johnny who are destined not to do that and that's just the way it is you know we can't have every, not everyone's going to be able to achieve that and i i just accept that you know and i hope that i can always repeat that and continue to to take that responsibility and that's what i strive to do and i leave the door open for anyone to learn from me or join me on that path you know as a as a peer like you you know we've come together as friends and now we speak about these things like this and if either of us was ever struggling i'd hope the other one would step in and say listen let's let's recommit to this journey what we're on this path but yeah, I, I think anyone's got the capacity, but I don't think it's destined. I don't think everyone's destined for that. I think there's a lot of people who have to tragically um, fall by the wayside and it will ultimately be those who who have took the responsibility, who have the best chance of, of making it to the next chapter of whatever this is, wherever we are in this realm, wherever it's going, it's going to happen anyways. There's no stopping it. These transitions are so big. These cycles are so huge that we just have to always get to that next level and you know and see what happens and i'm excited about that like yeah. I, I i embrace all of it like i embrace all of the risk and all of the reward together well yeah i think that you you know that probably the reason is because you have some kind of a concept of something higher something bigger than this i actually think that a lot of these things that we're talking about and people who are afraid to you know kind of step out of the mold and to say okay i'm gonna you know make a, a decision and do something in my life that goes against the the kind of well-trodden paths of society a lot of the time the reason not to take that i think might be because you have a certain amount of nihilism like and i think that i've had this in the past i think i think in the past i think i've i've been somewhat nihilistic and it stopped me from kind of like following an authentic path and doing things that are stepping outside of the mold and you know for me and i think it's the case for a lot of people covid was a big watershed moment where it was like okay i i really like you know I feel such a strong sense of aversion to this that I have to um, stand with my convictions. And then since that process, I've been thinking, okay, I've got like, where else can I apply this? Like, you know, the, like where else can in my life am I avoiding like the authentic path? And I think a part of all of this, you know, is just like, well, wh why should I put such an importance on fitting in with society once you've kind of stepped out of it you realize that your addiction to it was kind of irrational and you just think okay like why was i doing that and i think that's um that's something that we've both gone through and you know you mentioned cycles just then when you were talking and i think that, like we are going through this kind of new cycle now and uh you know we talked about this a bit earlier so i might want to get in, get into this a little bit with you but you know we, we're going into this new cycle where i think that you're having a kind of changing of the guard moment and i think that like all this stuff that we're talking about here is really, really relevant to that. You know, I've talked a few times on my podcast about the idea that like in the past, you know, we we had as a part of kind of, um, the, you know, the nature of kind of growing up and moving into a new kind of like season, you know, a season being like a season of the age, you know, like going through kind of like childhood to adolescence to, to adulthood and stuff. And you had these kind of marked moments where you're expected to go through some kind of a initiation of, of some kind you know tribes do this and everything and i kind of think that like this is something that everyone is faced with at, at multiple times during their life like you you kind of have these like touches with that and it's like do you go into it and do you find the authenticity and do you kind of 
um, have the courage to kind of go through it or do you avert it? And if you keep averting it, it will keep re-emerging in your life. And this is something that, that um, you know, I found like personally in my life is that before COVID and before uh, kind of like changing my life quite um, significantly around those years, like, you know, COVID was just, I guess, another another step in the process that I've been going on for a little while is I felt like I had these periods in my, in my life that I was averting doing something that I really wanted to do because I was like trying to fit in with the mold. And it happened like like several times for me. I had one one time when I uh, kind of like dropped out of university and I had this period where, you know, I, I really felt like I should have done more with that. And I perhaps should have kind of like, you know, gone traveling or done something different and kind of like got myself out of the mold and I didn't do it. And I kind of had another one like shortly after university, I was struggling to get a job and, you know, maybe I could have like started a business or done something on my own. And I kind of like struggled with that for a little while. And then the kind of the first big touch for me was I think like going solo traveling. Like I made this decision. I said, you know, like I know that it's not the done thing, but it just felt something really intrinsic to me that I felt like I was going to grow a lot as an individual, an individual from. And I went solo traveling. And I think that having had that experience when it kind of then came to to COVID, I felt like I'd grown as an individual. I felt like during that process, I actually grew up quite a lot. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to now stand on my own convictions. I've kind of got the mental fortitude necessary to actually kind of like approach this differently. And it sounds like maybe for you, going back to kind of your child and stuff, maybe that process was your father going to prison and feeling like, okay, I've got to learn to become an adult. You know, I've got to go through that process. And I, you know, I wonder whether like, society should be kind of re-embracing these traditions that we previously had and we should be recognizing it much more as like a necessary component that you just say okay there needs to be this kind of suffering whether whether you have that through you know travel or you know in, in your case sport seems like it was a, was a big one you know like putting yourself through this voluntary suffering seems like that to me is part of the, this mix of ingredients it's maybe not the only thing but there's a mix of ingredients somewhere there and some kind of like voluntary suffering or Perhaps it could come in an involuntary form as, you know, with your, your father going to prison, something like that. But you can, you don't have to have a big trauma in your life. You could kind of go into that um, voluntarily. But it seems like that's part of this kind of mix of ingredients, which gives people that mental fortitude to then say, okay, like, I'm going to kind of like grow from this. I'm going to, I'm going to actually stand on my own two feet and not just default to whatever the, the status is of society. Would, would you agree that that's like, seems to be part of that mix? Yeah, I would. And, you know, I think a healthy society... And a healthy world would be one in which children were brought up and situations were given to them that would add these key pieces. So you talked about rites of passage there. I mean, what were rites of passage? It wasn't just about celebrating that you're a man. It was about challenging that boy or girl at that time in such a way that would see them transcend who they was before. Like this is not just a celebration of who you are. It's showing you what you can do. You know, it was taking them to a new level and all of that's been stripped. And what society tries to do now, what they've engineered is a situation where we try to go to the weakest link and take everyone down to that weakest level rather than aspire for something stronger and better than what we are by adding challenges, by adding hardships, by having debates, by thinking about difficult things and doing difficult things with our body and with our mind. So that is the difference. It's the satanic inversion. It's going from aspirational to de-evolution, we're devolving into the worst versions of ourselves, the weakest, the most insecure, the most incapable of hearing criticism, which is the worst, I think, you know, it's that 
hypersensitivity that they've instilled in young people so that they can't even imagine anything other than what they accept like any if you've got a different opinion we have to destroy you and it because it challenges me so much and uh, and it's not just young people it's been you know adults are just as guilty of it because we've allowed ourselves to be lulled into this dreamlike state where we just live our lives watching tv and believing Hollywood narratives and scripts and living our lives as though they are anything but the most beautiful and precious thing that there is. I mean, what is more precious than existence that you are here in this place of ultimate opportunity where you can create anything and be anyone and you can experience the most profound joy and the most profound sadness in the same lifetime. These opportunities are there for all of us and yet what are we doing with that we're sat there medicating ourselves drinking ourselves to sleep watching toxic mind garbage and how many years we spoke about it recently me and my wife and we said the average person watches like maybe i think it's getting up to around 10 years and i would imagine young people if we calculated the amount of screens they watch in their lifetime if we started with young people now you're going to be talking maybe 20 percent of their life looking at staring into a screen rather than looking out into this beautiful world, you know, where literally creations all around us, this extraordinary thing, what we've got, and also into each other's faces and to each other's eyes, you know, we're sat here now. And this is not like looking at a screen when we, when we see each other through a screen, that's one thing, but I can see, I can look you right in the eyes now, you know, that's a personal connection that we can have right here. And we can feel things this way, which we can't feel through the screen because we've got energetic qualities, you know, we can yeah. feel each other's energy, we're in that vicinity. So, so, so yeah, I, I think we've been weakened and it's very sad. And I think we have to, in ourselves at least, we can take that responsibility and say, I'm going to add some challenges, I'm going to add some hardship, I'm going to do what's uncomfortable, because that's what it's about. That's what I would say to anyone. It's not about looking at what you don't want, it's about what comes on the other side of that. The moment you overcome those hardships, there's something waiting for you. You don't know what it is but it's always something good and it's always something worthwhile. And it could actually be something that takes your life on such a completely different track to where it would have gone. And that's what I've experienced time and time again. I would say that's a key part of it is finding those difficult things and seeking them out and being very honest with oneself. Like, you know, am I, am I avoiding something? And is there something that I have hidden in my life, whether it's a psychological thing, whether it's a past experience you haven't confronted, whether it's an actual activity, public speaking, whatever it is, just put yourself in those difficult spots. And guess what? One challenge leads to a new challenge and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, you're taking on things that you never would have imagined you could do. You're making podcasts, you're running your own business, you're an entrepreneur, you're building a family that's far, far stronger than the one you came from. And, you know, that's what life's about, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, that this really links into kind of what I was going to say about the, the cycle stuff, because I really sense that right now we're kind of going through a, a cycle where people are having to come back into touch with having that kind of personal conviction and acting upon it. Um, you know, I think that we, like some people have been kind of thrust into it and maybe have been a, a bit kind of dragged kicking and screaming into this. Um, but I think a lot of people now are having to come to this point of just saying like the old systems are no longer working. The old, um, you know, just kind of going along with the crowd it's, it's going to get you wrecked in some way or another, you know, whether that's that you take a medical intervention that you don't, you don't need, or whether that's that you, you know, take out a ridiculous mortgage, you're never gonna be able to pay and end up a debt slave. I, I think that the reasons are mounting every day to actually kind of like look outside of the confines of what society is telling you and say, okay, like, I need to do something a bit different. And that's why I think of these things are so 
kind of tied in together you know like we're talking talking here on a podcast which is you know generally about like ideas of freedom and self-sovereignty and stuff and we're talking about essentially kind of like personal um development and all this kind of stuff but i don't think by any means that this is um i guess it's, it's not um unrelated whatsoever i actually think that they're, they're intrinsically linked because i think the two come together and this kind of goes back to that that old idea of you know like hard times create strong men strong men create uh weak times weak times create uh what is it uh, god i get this wrong every single time mike help me out yeah it's um hard times create strong men strong men create good times nice. good times create weak men and weak men create hard times okay i will one day i'm gonna get that right i probably try, that's about the sixth i think that's the first time i've ever got it right by the way <laughs> Oh, nice. Okay, so you struggle with this as well. Uh, yeah, I always simplify it, actually. I say hard times create um, strong men and weak men create hard times. So I kind of miss a little bit out. You but skip, You skip a bit. I understand it. But anyway, th- I, you know, I think that um, we hear that. And I think this is why we have to have conversations like this, ultimately, because it's just like, well, you know, we're going through a time when we need to develop our own like character and our own convictions because the psyops are getting, the psyops just keep on coming. And um, you have to ultimately develop the character, kind of overcome that. So I think that all of these things are very like interrelated. I don't think that it's just it's just an accident that we're all we're talking about these ideas now about kind of um, developing on a personal level. At the same time, when we're going through all of this stuff after after COVID and like you know we're going into this kind of new world, I think that it's um, it's all very much related for me and that the these conversations like need to happen simultaneously. And uh, I just want to pick you up on the stuff that you were saying about. Um, cycles earlier do you agree that we are going into that kind of cycle now do you do you do you agree that we're going into a different cycle that somehow and for whatever reason we've come to the end of some kind of a i guess a a status of the world of like the mindset of um society is now like kind of shifted and we're going into this new thing where we need you know new ideas new leaders new people to you know not leaders in the sense of kind of you know telling people how to live but i guess just kind of like guiding people like kind of gentle guidance by people who have some kind of wisdom because i really think that that's becoming a big part of this and i think people are beginning to to listen as well you know like that i don't think this conversation for example this would have been the weirdest conversation ever only a few years ago and now i think that this conversation is becoming a bit more kind of like normalized i know that we said we we're going to reserve some time to do a bit for, for your podcast so if you want to like throw it over to me or switch switch spots but i guess just to round things off uh from my side of things i'll just let you uh you know lead it out with uh, where people can find you and all the rest of it i'm sure that people are most people are already aware of who you are from listening to my previous episodes but just for those who's the first time um hearing about you do you want to just let them know where they can find you yeah, well, I really appreciate it, Johnny. I appreciate you as a person. You as, like I said, the first person to put me on another podcast. I'd never done that before. You you gave me a lot of confidence. You you already had a podcast. I looked up to you. I admired your work. I thought, wow, this guy's this guy's awesome. He's producing his own podcast. I wasn't doing a podcast at the time. I was just literally putting out these random YouTube videos. And I think it was only the third or fourth video. It was, Johnny, I think it might have been the second video I ever did. So I appreciate you for doing that one. You've been a key part of my journey in becoming somebody that can present information coherently and to do what I'm doing now. You know, you put you took a chance on me, I feel anyway. So I really appreciate you. And the synchronicities that we had, because when we first met, it turned out that you actually was very good friends with somebody who's in my family mm-hmm. but through marriage. And that was just an amazing synchronicity too. So I do feel like we're all being guided on our journeys and we was meant to meet and... That's why we're here together now and what a beautiful thing that is. So thank you so much. You can find me on parallelmike.com. That's where you can find my podcast. You can also 
find my services. I do wealth preservation consultations. That's really my specialism is helping people to protect their wealth, which is going to be a part of this cycle, Johnny, is a reset financially. That financial reset where we have a completely new monetary system on the other side of this is going to be part of a much bigger reset. So I help people figure that out. Also, for people that want to transform their lives in ways that maybe are daunting to them, so like what we did, moving to something more self-sufficient, where you have control over your food, your energy, your water, I think we're going to need that. I think that is part of this reset too. There's going to be a period of scarcity, but I believe we can all thrive through that. I always say, you know, build your ark like Noah, get ready for whatever comes next, and then thrive, you know, and embrace those challenges that are going to come because that could be the making of you. The other place you can find me is Parallel Systems Broadcast on YouTube, and you'll find a lot of my financial content on there. I go quite deep into things like the legal system, property rights, and also just making sense of this Ponzi scheme that we all live in. You're doing your thing to get through that, and you talk a lot about Bitcoin. I talk a lot about precious metals and um, and land and real assets, and you know that's, that's kind of part of what I do as well. So thanks so much for having me, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you on my show in a second. Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, I'll just round that off one, once more, Mike, by just saying, you know, thanks so much for inviting me into your your podcast studio to to do this one. It's been awesome, like doing a, an episode like you know in person like this has been great. But yeah, I you know I echo echo completely that sentiment. You know, it's been really great, kind of going on this journey together and kind of getting to know you more. And uh, you know, I genuinely think that you're just someone people people should listen to. You're the, you're the kind of character that I think that we need in these times that we're going into. Just your way of presenting information. And you know, I, I genuinely think about this like. Uh, you know, I was talking to um, someone on my podcast the other day and they were talking about how um, someone that they knew, they felt like a lot of their things that happened to them in their life. It was almost like the film um, Slumdog Millionaire, you know, like where you, where all these things happen and only in retrospect you realize that it was all the right things to happen because you were needed at a certain time to, you know, you needed those experiences to, to kind of like form your character. And, you know, I when, when I talk to you, I'm just like, this this feels like what it was for you. I really feel like you're meant to be doing what you're doing now. I really think you have a way of connecting with people and, you know, like even the experiences you've had in your past when it comes to, you know, kind of sport and hardship and uh, also, of course, like, you know, being a counselor and stuff, I think has really kind of like led you to where you are now. And, you know, you're doing awesome work. So, yeah, I would just say, like, um, keep doing what you're doing. You know, like people uh, people need voices like, like yours there. And I'm, you know, I'm really kind of... Uh, like happiest it was a pleasure for me to kind of have you on back when you were kind of just getting started and stuff and it's been great to see your your growth and stuff so everyone i would absolutely recommend check out mike's uh, mike's podcast and we'll do a, we'll do a little bit more uh, for that one as well which will be um be for mike's podcast so it's even more reason to go over there and check out mike's work as well so yeah thanks again and uh, see you in the next one okay we're gonna leave it there for part one everyone i hope you enjoyed hearing me and johnny have this discussion i hope you found it interesting finding out more about my life and how I went through different experiences that led me to where I am today, to doing what I'm doing today. And maybe some of that resonated with you. Maybe you found that useful to hear from somebody else because ultimately what we're talking about here is taking the difficult situations in life and using them as a platform to actually improve ourselves, using them as a strength rather than seeing them as a weakness, rather than being a victim in life, actually taking responsibility, moving forward boldly, using the experiences of the past and turning that into wisdom. So I hope you found that useful in part two. We pick up the conversation right where we left off. We get started with hearing how Johnny became who he is today. So he talks about his past experiences with depression, 
how he overcame them through traveling and then went on to become Johnny Hoddle, host of the Staying Free podcast. Then I share my experiences with depression and how running really helped me get out of a really dark place in my life. And we discuss how we're getting ourselves ready psychologically for these big cycle changes that we both feel now are on the horizon. And we share a lot of tips with listeners too as to how they can get themselves psychologically ready. Maybe just even by hearing our story that will help you too. So lots to get into in part two. Really looking forward to sharing this one with you. Members, please head over to parallelmind.com to listen to that second part. If you're not a member yet, but you enjoyed what you heard in part one, please consider becoming a member. It supports me and my content. And next week, we've got another deep dive episode where it's just me. We're going to be talking about the last name. What's in a name is the title of the episode. We're going to look into the birth certificate. And I'm going to try and answer the question, is our last name being used to incorporate us like a corporation? And is that how we are being trapped in the matrix system of admiralty law? So that's a cliffhanger I'm going to leave you on. Also, before we go, just a quick shout out to let you know, I have some space available for wealth preservation consultations in the coming weeks. So if you want to get yourself financially and practically prepared for what is going to be the greatest wealth transfer in human history and you'd like my expert advice on that, please reach out to me at parallelmike.com under the consultation tab. You can find out more. So I'm going to leave it there for part one. Members, I'll see you on parallelmike.com for part two. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you all in the next one. what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Peace for all men and women.
Peace in our time. Peace in all time.